As we continue our study through the book of Ruth, I call your attention to Ruth chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. There the Bible says, And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. As a Christian, there's probably nothing any more important in the Christian life than understanding the will of God and undertaking the will of God. Finding the will of God and following the will of God is an essential and expedient and exciting part of being saved. The Baptist preacher and Bible scholar George W. Truett said, To know the will of God is the greatest knowledge, to find God's will is the greatest discovery, and to do God's will is the greatest achievement. Miriam Booth, the daughter of William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, was a brilliant and cultured woman. She began her Christian work with great promise and unusual success. However, disease brought her to a point of death. A friend told her it seemed a pity that a woman of her capabilities should be hindered by sickness from doing the Lord's work. She replied, It's wonderful to do the Lord's work, but it is greater still to do the Lord's will. Someone has said, Out of the will of God there is no such thing as success. In the will of God, there cannot be failure. A major key to being blessed of God is the will of God. Cecil Rhodes once said, If there is a God and He cares for men, then the most important thing in the world is to find out what He wants me to do and to do it. The medical missionary David Livingston once said, I had rather be in the heart of Africa in the will of God than on the throne of England out of the will of God. Listen closely to what Alan Redpath said. I say without hesitation that if every Christian were submitted to God's will, we would have continuous revival. The whole tragedy of the church is that Christian men and women, born again, redeemed by the blood, indwelt by the Spirit, still raise their big I and refuse to bend before the Lord. The thing that puts the brakes on Holy Spirit revival, that raises the bar against God's mighty blessing and the outpoured flood tide of the Holy Spirit's power, is Christian men and women who will not submit to the omnipotent will of God. Alan Redpath and each of these individuals have rightly identified the crucial nature of not just knowing, but doing God's will. Someone has said there is nothing wrong in the world but wrong will, and nothing right but right will. To will a right is to will what God wills. A believer that refuses the will of God is rejected for the work of God. If I want to experience God's work in my life, I must do God's will for my life. In the story of Ruth and the passage before us, there are some lessons that we can glean concerning the will of God. As we have seen in this chapter, Ruth is learning and growing in her Christian experience. In the process, she is confronted about being obedient to Boaz and the blessings of doing so. The first truth I bring to your attention is that the will of God is a disclosed place of service. Notice Ruth 2.21. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. 
Now notice what it says in Ruth chapter 2 verse 8. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Now I have juxtaposed those two verses from Ruth to show Ruth had an understanding of the will of God. Ruth declared unto Naomi, He said unto me, Boaz had made his desires for Ruth known. That is what is recorded in Ruth chapter 2 verse 8. He had spoken his will and he had shown his will to her. He had said in effect, this is what I want you to do, stay in my field. Now listen to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. If God has a will for our life, and he does, then it stands to reason that he wants us to know his will. If He wants us to know His will, then He will show us His will. I believe there are three major reasons why people do not know the will of God. One has to do with the failure to do what is already known to be the will of God. We know that we are to be faithful to church, for instance. We know that we are to tithe of our income. We know that we need to pray and read our Bibles. We know that we are called to witness, yet we are often disobedient in these matters. I think of what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verses 16 and 17. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but him that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. One key to knowing what you don't know is doing what you know to be the will of God. Look, the moment you are not doing the will of God, what you know to be doing, then you are living in disobedience. And disobedience grieves and quenches the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Thus, we are not filled with the very agent by which God reveals His will to us. Let me say that again. When we disobey the Lord, we grieve the Holy Spirit and are therefore not filled with the very Spirit that reveals God's will to us. Imagine yourself driving a car to someone's home that you have never been to before. But fortunately, you have a friend of the persons to whom you are visiting in the car with you. He starts giving you directions, but pretty soon you stop following his directions. He is not going to continue giving you instructions because you are now off course and not obeying him. If the Holy Spirit reveals God's will and we don't do it, He is not going to continue giving directions until you get back into obedience. Besides, if one will not do what has already been revealed, chances are they will not do what will be revealed. A second reason people don't understand the will of God is that they want to check it out first and then decide if that is what they want to do. We want to make sure it fits our plans and our preferences. Someone wrote an imaginary letter from Paul in response to the call from the Macedonians. Dear sir and brother, doubtless you will recall the invitation you extended to me to come over into Macedonia and help the people of that section. You will pardon me for saying that I am somewhat surprised that you should expect a man of my standing in the church seriously to consider a call on such meager information. There are a number of things I should like to learn before giving my decision and would appreciate you dropping me a line addressing me at Troas. First of all, I should like to know if Macedonia is a circuit or a station. 
There's another item that was overlooked in your brief and somewhat sudden invitation. No mention was made to the salary I was to receive. I have been through a long and expensive course of training. In fact, I may say with reasonable pride that I am a Sanhedrin man, the only one in the ministry today. Kindly get the good Macedonian brethren together and see what you can do in the way of support. You have told me nothing about Macedonia beyond the implication that the place needs help. What are the social advantages? Is the church well organized? I recently had a fine offer to return to Damascus at an increase of salary and am told that I made a very unfavorable impression on the church at Jerusalem. For recommendations, write to the Reverend Simon Peter D.D. at Jerusalem. I will say that I am a first-class mixer and especially strong on argumentative preaching. If I accept the call, I must stipulate for two months' vacation and the privilege of taking an occasional lecture tour. My lecture on Over the Wall in a Basket is worth two drachma of any man's money. Sincerely yours, Paul. Now that is an imaginary letter in Paul's case, but is not so imaginary in many cases. There are a good many Christians, including some in full-time service, who would not respond to the Lord's leading them in just such a way. So often we want to approve the will of God before we answer the will of God. Doing the will of God is like taking a blank sheet of paper and signing your name at the bottom and then letting God fill in the page with whatever He desires. And let me add a third reason that some people do not know what God wants them to do. They simply do not want to know. Why? Because if they know, then they will have to do it. In other words, some believers think that ignorance is bliss. If they don't know God's will, then they are not responsible to do it. The trouble is that ignorance of God's will never leads to bliss. God holds each of us responsible for seeking, knowing, understanding, and doing His will. Trying to avoid knowing God's will for you will only lead to unhappiness. Listen, if you are already in God's will and willing to do His will, whatever it might be, then He will make known to us what He wants us to do next. But we must be willing to yield ourselves to do whatever He may ask. Now, besides understanding God's will, we also see in the account here in Ruth an undertaking of God's will. Notice in Ruth chapter 2, verse 23, So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. We see Ruth understanding and undertaking what Boaz wanted. He said, and she submitted. There is comprehension and compliance. There were the orders of Boaz and the obedience of Ruth. The will of God is not some theological course to ponder, but a personal call to pursue. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 6, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now you may be someone who feels you cannot do much for God and that you are very limited. I think about a story I read about a psychologist and an engineer and a theologian that were on a hunting trip in Canada. The weather began to get bad, so they started looking for shelter. They came up on a small, isolated cabin. They knocked on the door, but no one was at home. The door was unlocked, so they walked on in. As they stepped inside, they saw something strange. There was a large, pot-bellied, cast-iron stove suspended in midair by wires that were attached to the ceiling beams. 
They were all puzzled as to why the stove was elevated from the floor. The psychologist concluded, It is obvious that this lonely trapper, isolated from humanity, has elevated his stove so that he can curl up under it and vicariously experience a return to his mother's womb. The engineer theorized, This man is practicing the laws of thermodynamics. By elevating his stove, he has discovered a way to distribute heat more evenly throughout his cabin. The theologian speculated, I'm sure that hanging his stove from the ceiling has religious meaning. Fire lifted up has been a religious symbol for centuries. While they were debating the matter, the trapper returned. They immediately asked him why he had hung his potbelly stove by wires from the ceiling. He said, Oh, that's simple. I had plenty of wire, but not much stovepipe. You may come up short in some areas, but God has a purpose, a plan, and a place for your life. Our place is not to question the what, the why, or even the when. Our place is to obey and to say yes. God wants us to understand His will and undertake His will. The second truth I call to your attention is that the will of God is a delightful place of service. Ruth chapter 2 verse 22 says, And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. What Boaz had asked of Ruth was not a burden, but a blessing. What he had commanded was not something that discouraged, but delighted both Ruth and Naomi. The will of God is more than a job, it is a joy. Naomi said, it is good. What Boaz wanted Ruth to do was a good thing. Nothing any greater could have happened to Ruth than Boaz telling her to stay in his field. I say unto you, there is nothing any greater that can happen in our life than God saying, this is what I want you to do. I have known people that regretted not doing the will of God, but I have never met anyone who regretted doing the will of God. I think of what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In what ways was it good for Ruth to stay in the field of Boaz? First, there was the resources of the field. The resources of the field were many. For one thing, we see that she found protection in the field. Notice what Boaz says in Ruth chapter 2, verse 9. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Boaz saw to it that no one laid a hand on Ruth or took advantage of her. She also found not only protection in the field, but provision. Notice in Ruth chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not, and let fall some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. Boaz saw to it that her every need was abundantly met. The will of God is the greatest place of security and supply one can ever find or ever hope to find. I think of the little saying, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. Furthermore, 
There were the relationships of the field. Ruth came to Bethlehem knowing no one but Naomi. But in the field, she developed relationships with others. There were the men and the maidens mentioned in Ruth chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. She became acquainted with those of Boaz's field. I think of the dear friends that I have all over this country. Why do I know them? How did I meet them? Ultimately, it was by being in the will of God. The special relationships we have with others are part of being in God's will. I am often reminded that if I had been in another field, I would not enjoy the relationships that have been my delight. Because I am in this field where God has placed me, I have the joy and delight of knowing all the people I have pastored and ministered to. What a blessing! But most importantly, there is the relationship to the Master. Being in the field each day, Ruth was near Boaz on a daily basis. She was with Boaz each day because she was in his field. The most delightful part of being in the will of God is the closeness you enjoy with him, with the Lord. A person out of the will of God is out of fellowship with God. To follow God is to fellowship with God. John Wesley, in his journal, tells of how he visited a dear woman that was ill in bed. She had buried seven of her family in six months and had just heard that her husband was missing at sea. Wesley asked, Don't you ever fret at any of these things? She replied with a loving smile on her face, Oh no, how could I fret at anything which is the will of God? Let him take all besides. He has given me himself. I have learned to love and praise him at every moment. All who are in God's will can say, This is good. What an amazing testimony. And what a truthful declaration of the most important thing of being in God's will. And what is that? The relationship we have with the Lord. The third truth I call your attention to is that the will of God is a devoted place of service. Boaz not only wanted Ruth in his field, but also wanted her to stay in his field. Consider what Ruth chapter 2 verse 21 says. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. Also we read in Ruth chapter 2 verse 23, So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. She was told to stay in the field until the end of the harvest, and we read that she obeyed and stayed in the field as directed. The will of God is a place of devoted service, a devotion that lasts until the end of the harvest. Notice devoted service is continual service. She was to work in the field each day. Day by day, the command of Boaz was that she be in his field. We are to do the will of God day by day, devoted to His will and to His work. Devoted service also involves completed service. She stayed in the field day by day until the harvest was in and completed. We are to know the will of God, obey the will of God, and do the will of God until our work or until His work is done. During the construction of the Brooklyn Bridge, the engineer that was over this construction was injured. For many months, he was confined to a bed and a room as an invalid. Each day, his wife would carry his orders and plans to the workmen. Finally, the great bridge was completed. The invalid architect asked to be taken to see the finished bridge. He was placed on a cot and carried to a place where he could see the great structure. He scanned the work intently. 
His critical eye ran over the great cables, the massive piers, the mighty girders. He noted every detail carried out precisely as he had dreamed it in his dreams and wrought it out in his plans and specifications. And then, with a joy of achievement filling his soul as he saw and realized that it was finished exactly as he had designed it, he cried out, It's just like the plan! It's just like the plan! Folks, I want to be able to look upon my Lord's face and hear Him say, It's just like the plan. I want to do His will and stay in His field until He calls me home or until He comes after me. I want to keep serving and walking with the Lord until He is finished with me. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God has an expected end for you and for me. And doing the will of God will inevitably lead us to that expected end. And then we will hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord.